Welcome to 90% Mental. I'm your host, Grant Parr, and thank you for joining us for our 18th episode. You know, the last four episodes have been focusing on team culture or the mindset of team culture. And because I love this topic, I kind of just don't want to talk about it anymore. I want to keep on talking about it. And I felt like, you know what, I need to bring on another coach that's going to talk about from a different sport and possibly from a, a, a female sport. And the more I thought about it, I'm like, you know what, I have someone awesome to bring on the show. And her name is Coach Tiffany Roberts Sahedak, and she is the head women's soccer coach at University of Central Florida. And not only is she incredible at what she does and has an impressive coaching career, she also played on the national team for 10 years, gold medalist, has won the World Cup, and she's won two national championships at University of North Carolina, and as well as competed at the professional level. You know, when I brought this topic up to Coach, she was like, I love talking about team culture. And I was like, well, I love talking about team culture as well. But what's great is that she shares these stories of how she built culture at University of Central Florida, but she also shared the culture on the national team and also when she was at University of North Carolina. And what you get is you get this really honest and authentic perspective on team culture. Coach shares a little bit about her core values at University of Central Florida. She also shares this model that she has implemented within her program. And she asked her athletes every day to commit to four everyday actions, which is be your best, choose a positive attitude, don't complain or make excuses, and take care of each other. And I love this model because if an athlete can live this day in and day out on the field, in school, with family and relationships, this will allow an athlete to stay focused on the right things and focus on things that are purposeful. So you'll get a really good sense of the kind of culture that Coach is not only has created there, but has created at other universities or other programs as well. An also cool thing is that every coach I've had on my show that's talked about team culture, every coach has coined their culture with a phrase or a statement, whether if it's an effort culture, character culture, feel it culture. And when I asked Coach, you know, what, what is your culture? What do you coin your culture as? She had a really cool, interesting phrase, and she's like, our culture is best as our standard culture, which I think is awesome. And you'll hear in our conversation that being your best, she stresses that every day with her program. She stresses about trusting each other and gaining the trust with her athletes. So I'm super excited to have her on my show. I mean, this is literally an honor for me to, to have somebody on my show with her experience. And plus, she's from my hometown. So it's been really neat to see her career from the high school ranks all the way through collegiate, national team, and the professional ranks to see her success. So I'm really, really honored and really excited to have her on my show. So let's go talk to Coach. Hey, Coach, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, speaking with me today. You bet. I'm thoroughly excited to have you on my show. I I want my listeners to know that um, this is such a treat to have you on my show, but you you and I actually grew up in the same city, uh, San Ramon, California, and watching you grow as an athlete and also as a coach has been really, really, really exciting for me and, and a lot of people from San Ramon. And I think today I'm, I'm more excited because the last few weeks, the theme that I've been talking about is the mindset of team culture, you know, how you create it, how you sustain it, protect it. And so today we're going to actually further that conversation from your perspective and, and learn a little bit more about the team culture that you you are creating right now at University of Central Florida, 
and then some of the cultures that you've worked with in the past and also played for. So before we get into culture and, and kind of get inside your mind a little bit on culture, I like to start off my, my podcast with a simple question of what does mental toughness mean to you? So that's a good one. Um, mental toughness, I think one of the things come to mind, I just, um, you know, I take personal experiences and moments when I feel like I had to kind of show that I have it. I think, you know, part of it or one, what it means to me is, you know, being, being an athlete or it could be anything and, and work or, but for me, you know, being an athlete and, um, you know, like knowing my role, like on a team, sometimes you might not be the starter and the star player. And I think to be able to go uh, through the grind day in and day out and sometimes not get that reward of getting into a game and still being able to get back out there the next day for your team. Um, I think, you know, that is, uh, just a display of mental toughness just to still have that confidence and to know your role and then also to be ready when called on and so that was a big part of my experience on the national team as I played you know for 10 years so um, when I think of that that's 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 one layer of it I think yeah, it's a great point and, and I've talked about this a little bit on my previous podcast but I, I always call it the the next man up uh, mindset mm-hmm. and th- and that takes I, I think when I don't care what team you're on if you're in a team sport I think obviously being first string is very important but being second string and third string is super important because you have to be really prepared for any moment whether if it's you know being subbed in for a few minutes for a few plays or for the rest of the season and that being right. mentally tough and ready for those opportunities is huge right because I think like your confidence could go down too, and then you get called on, and then you're not prepared. You know, so you have to stay in it, uh, even when you're not getting the minutes, even at practice that you think you need. And so, just now that I'm a coach, you know, I think of that for my players that don't get all the playing time that they want, and and see how they deal with um, not being the star or getting the playing time, but being ready. And so, I talk to them uh, about that uh, and that role, and how you can be tough in that role too. Yeah, and how do you, as a head coach, so you have these players that are uh, don't get a lot of playing time or they're second string, third string. How do you get the buy-in? What do you do as a head coach to get the buy-in for them to integrate themselves within the culture? Well, I think to get buy-in, I mean, number one for me as their coach is, is just developing this trust, you know. And I it's trust, but it's also care. Like for me – I need my players to know that I absolutely care about them as a human being. And I think if you can establish that as a head coach, like early on, and then in time, like you'll develop that more and they'll believe you and they'll trust you that it's genuine and authentic. Then, then I think that when, you know, they're not playing, they feel comfortable coming to talk to you about it, you know, and it's a conversation that we can talk, but, um, I just think that that care is so important. And, you know, I learned that from the coaches that I've had. I had a, I've had incredible coaches um, throughout my career. So I'm really, really blessed and lucky with, you know, Tony DeChico who just passed. And I learned so much uh, um, from him about team culture. And um, Anson Dorrance is completely total, you know, just different. But they all still had that same theme 
um, with the caring part. I always knew my coaches cared for me, number one, as a human being. I think if you can really make sure your players understand that, then you can get through a lot and they feel valued. And it could be the simplest thing like, checking in with them you know everyone texts now you know the kids so you know I'll just send a text like hey you know how you know you know how'd that test go yesterday or you know just random stuff not not even about soccer just checking in with them every once in a while or you know as they're coming out to practice you know give them a high five and say hey what's up what's what's your day what's your day been like you know and, and then they know that so I think that's really like that first step for buy-in yeah, it's it's uh, you're spending a lot of time connecting with them uh, as a person. I mean, obviously you're connecting with them as an athlete, and so I I, I applaud you on doing that because you know when I was playing sports, when I was playing football, it was always cool. I mean, it was it was cool to have a good coach, period. But to have a, a player's coach, um, where yeah. they were they definitely knew how to teach you, but they also knew how to connect with you. Would you say you're more of a, a player's coach? Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I think that's what I'm striving to be, you know, and that connection, like I said, is so important to me. And I think whether I'm a coach or not, I think I am just like a people person and uh, a relationship builder. I think even my role on the national team, I make jokes to my husband all the time. We coach together here at UCF. Right. And so um, we, I make jokes to him all the time. I think, I think my last few years on the national team, I think I was just on there for team chemistry because I was like this connector. <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> but I don't know if they really care about my soccer skills anymore, but I, I, I felt like I did a good job bringing the team together in a locker room or, you know. So um, I think that's just like my personality. I love people and I, I – and I have no problem like sharing my emotions with my players too. And I think that's where connection comes from. Cause they know my, like I'm genuine about things and I don't try to, you know, not show them like I care for them. So, um, so yeah. <laughs> great. Great. So when you think about culture and all the teams you played on, the teams you've coached, you know, holistically or globally, what, what does team culture mean to you as a head coach? I think it's just having one, you know, vision and set of goals that, um, that they're all, I mean, it sounds very cliche, but, um, it's like the whole, the whole team is on the same page. Um, and they all have the same goals. They all have the same vision and they all have the same core values and, and that character like drives them, you know, to get to their goals every day. And so, um, but in order to have that, for me, like impactful team culture, positive team culture, like there are different core values that I really stress, you know, as a coach with my team. And I think a big one for me is appreciation. You know, if you have a, of a culture, a team culture where all the players are appreciative of, you know, I'm just talk about college soccer because that's relevant to me. That's where I am. You know, these, these student athletes, I mean, they are given so much. I mean, I went to Carolina and we won national championships. We don't even get a quarter of what, you know, our student athletes receive here, you know, just as far as the, the equipment and the gear and the extra food and snacks and facilities and tutors. I mean, they have so many resources available to them to be successful. And um, I think it's easy to, and this is for any person in life really is just like you, you forget, you lose perspective and you forget, you know, how great we have it. 
And so we're constantly talking about appreciation within our team um, for the things that we have, but also for each other. And um, I think when you are constantly, that's in the front of your mind, is that uh, appreciation factor Mm -hmm. instead of entitlement. Um, I think that will contribute to this positive team culture. Um, Another big one for me, um, besides appreciation, is um, just unselfishness. I think they kind of go hand in hand. You know, you're thinking of your teammate, like, what can I do? I think leadership, big part of leadership is, you know, serving others. And that's how we talk about on our team as well is, you know, whether they're captains or they're the the upperclassmen. It's not about pointing your fingers and delegating to the freshman. Well, you have to earn your time. We don't talk about that here. You know, we talk about if you're upperclassmen, you've, you've been there, you've seen it, you know the way. Like, how can you help your teammate who doesn't know the way yet? And um, so we teach our upperclassmen to be more uh, serving style leaders, which I think helps this chemistry, right? Because it's not about um, seniority and delegation and authority. Mm-hmm. It's more of like, let me help you and bring you bring you together right and then the the young ones really respect their older ones and really care for them because they feel like they're being taken care of and so it makes them want to work harder right so um so that there's that other piece of team culture and then i would say another one i mean i have five but another one would just you have to add that competitiveness to team culture because i've i've seen too where you know my teams could be so nice and they love each other and our chemistry is all good but at the end of the day we got win games too you know right. so we have to find that <laughs> we have to find that balance of being these wonderful human beings and taking good care of each other but then when the time comes and it's time to get out on the field it's like how do we now act like you know like a pack of wolves and <laughs> you know compete um like our life depends on it and and um, push ourselves to that next level every day. And so I think that is a huge part of, of team culture too, is like being okay with competing. And this is what I learned from Carolina. And then also obviously extends to the national team, but Carolina was like all about, is like, you know, Ansendorf, like his competitive cauldron and he tracks everything. And I mean, it would kill my confidence on some days. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so bad at long balls. You know, I'm the last on the list and blah, blah, blah. But um, but he really helped nurture this competitive fire and this competitive culture where it's okay to, to beat one another at practice and then still be buddies when you walk off the field, you know, after practice. And so, you know, we, we have to continue to talk about that too. Um, so those are my, I would say like, like top three, but it's, it's working on these things every day you know, the, the team culture, it's, it's, it's not something that we just say like, Oh, we just have team culture. We just happen to have good chemistry. Like I've heard people say that I've heard coaches say that I've heard players say that, but if you ask my players, I hope that they know that we work on it every single day. And it's something that's in the front of our minds. And I actually have this thing. I'm going on a rant. Sorry. I could talk. I'm, when you said we we're going to talk about team culture, I'm like, oh, good. This is one of my favorite topics. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, but um, one thing, because you can have these core values, right, that I talk about appreciation or competitiveness or unselfishness. But it's like, okay, well, how are you really going to show those things every day? Like we say we are those things. 
we're going to do those things, but how are we going to, how are we really going to track this? Or can you say you really did that? And so I've come up with this thing called everyday actions. Mm-hmm. And I've come up with four everyday actions for my team. And one is just to be your best. So that kind of incorporates like the competitiveness, right? It's just, you're going to be your best and no matter what we do and holistically like looking at a student athlete that's not just on the field it's in the classroom it's how you treat your teammates right so it's be your best and then number two is choose a positive attitude because that's something that we can choose every day you know you can wake up in the morning this is what i tell my players like you know you want to wake up and tell yourself that you're tired and you don't feel like going to class it's just a crappy day well guess what that's what your day is going to be like you mm-hmm. know so um I always tell them that's their choice on their attitude um, and they can choose that every day. And then a big one um, within our team culture, everyday action is don't complain or make excuses because that could just bring down your team culture. Right. So mm-hmm. everyday actions is they check on, they check on each other. Like, are you making an excuse or are we complaining? Cause you can't be appreciative if you're complaining, you know, you can't do both at the same time. And then the last one is um, just that we take care of each other. And I think if you can focus on these four everyday actions, like, and you're doing those things, then I have to imagine that's going to be impactful, you know, with your team culture and how you bring everyone together and they can focus on the same thing every day. I love it. I, I, I really do. And, and there's a few things what I love about your core values, but what I really like is the, the everyday actions because especially in my role when I'm working with athletes and team, my sole responsibility is to create a systematical approach for whatever situation it is to get their mind ready or prepared for whatever situation it is. So you as a head coach are, you know, every day pushing these everyday activities, be your best, choose that attitude, don't complain, take care of each other. That's a mindset where it puts you in a situation where if something happens, you're you're in a better situation mentally to deal with things that yep. are on the field or off the field. And I also love, even though I love these core values and, and I always look at core values as pillars inside a home or your house. So when another right. when another team comes in into your stadium, they're literally coming into, they're walking under the pillars of appreciation and unselfishness and service or servicing and being competitive. I love that. So the thing I like about one of the core values is just being service because especially with the leaders that are seniors, they're, what I like about that is that not only are they teaching the younger people and, and leaving a legacy of serving and taking care of the team, that you're getting these seniors ready to have the mentality of serving when they get later, you know, early into their, their new life when they graduate from, from right. college. So I love that, right. pro- that progression of that. It's, it's very cool. Yeah, thanks. And you know what? I, it's like I, don't, I didn't make these things up. You know, it's like these things. I've learned from experience from my own teammates, like on the national team. So, you know, over the years and as I've been, I think I'm on my 11th season, maybe as a head coach at the, for college, um, you know, collegiate soccer, um, you know, every year it's like, I'm, I'm still looking back on my playing days and, and looking at my experiences. Like, how can I be a better coach or what, what, how can I implement? And, and the whole service thing really came from the national team because when I was 16 years old, getting brought into the U.S. Women's National Team for the first time, I mean, it was a dream come true. And I honestly was like, what am I doing here? Why did they even invite me? Like, I'm not, I shouldn't be here. Like, 
there's no way I'm good enough to be here. And, um, I mean, I knew I was like good, like a 16 year old, like playing in, you know, at Carnalette and in my high school and San Ramon's art club, but, <laughs> um, like in the, in the country, I was just kind of flabbergasted. And, but going in there as a young player, I real like, like I could understand their team culture right away. Like I, I felt it. I saw it. I, I lived it from day one and I saw that service oriented leadership where Carla Overbeck, the captain of the national team. I mean, it was like, you know, Tony DeChico would say, you know, like guys, I need this goal and um, we need this moved over here, you know, and Carla Overbeck, you know, Mia Hamm, Julie Foudy, they're, they're the first ones getting up and running over to the goal to go grab it. You know, and these are like the stars of the team. And, um, you know, you just, you're just like, Oh geez, if, if they're doing it, like, and I'm brand new, I better run over there and help, you know? And so, um, it, they just really showed that they, they were there willing to help, willing to help Tony, willing to help their teammates. Like, how can I help? So I really, and I also think that, you know, them making me feel welcome and uh, they were very warm with me as a youngster who just was so clueless. Like, even though like we competed hard, like I kind of was mentioning earlier where we, we compete, but then they also made me feel welcome. And I think if it was an environment or a culture where I came in as my first training camp and it was just awful, you know, the people were awful and they were, it was just so competitive that no one cared about each other and they only cared about themselves and how they were going to get better for themselves. Like maybe I wouldn't even wanted to be on the national team, you know, but because of their leadership and the culture that they were creating or have created, it was like, I really want to be part of this. You know, it really inspired me and, and wanted to be a part of it. And I think leaving, leaving the national team and then going back to my high school team or going back to my club team, I think that it helped keep me grounded and it, it turned me into a better leader going back and not, you know, just thinking I was, hot stuff because I was a national team. Now I go back to my high school and I could do whatever I want and I can treat people how I want. It wasn't like that. I was, I was trying to mimic Carla and Julie when I went back to my club team. And so I think they helped me a lot growing up and, and learning how to lead and understanding that. I bet. And it's, and it's nice. I love it how you embrace um, just being in service because I can only imagine having that experience and then going back to school and your club and, and not being you know, full of ego, like just being very appreciative of the experience that you had, how you can serve the players around you on your high school team and your club team. And, and you've done also, and not to get off topic here, but you've done a lot of work throughout your career as far as from a service standpoint, as far as holding uh, soccer camps in other countries and giving your time into, you're just being a, an ambassador for soccer, but you've given a lot of time in teaching a lot of athletes, I think, over the world. Yeah, you know, and that's, it's really like the best part of my, well, it's just one of the best parts of my, my, my life is that who knew when I was, you know, six and seven years old running around playing soccer, you know, in my <laughs> jean shorts, <laughs> going to practice in my jean shorts, um, that this would really turn into my life passion, you know, and, and that like a sport, where you were just playing for fun, like became my career where, where I've earned a living. And, um, I think it is just that 
I feel really grateful and blessed to have had this path with soccer that has literally led me to everything in my life. Like soccer has brought me my husband, you know, we met at university of North Carolina. He was a soccer player. Um, so in Chapel Hill, so it led me to my husband. It led me to, you know, my, um, my college. So going to UNC Chapel Hill and, and giving me that opportunity to get my degree and then obviously traveling the world. And then after being a professional player and earning a living that way, like getting to work for the, um, getting to serve for the U S state department and, and be a sports envoy and, and work with, you know, countries in the world that aren't as privileged or need to use sport to, um, battle, you know, their challenges, whether it's, um, HIV awareness or, or just, women's empowerment you know just using the sport to i mean it's like the coolest thing ever <laughs> like really like i really feel so blessed i think that i you know getting to do this sport. i mean I, you know tony Nichico i mentioned i was really obviously very sad this summer when he passed away and one thing that he always said when he come out to practice is i love my job and he would like scream it to all the players and you could just feel his enthusiasm and his appreciation for his for for his life and this opportunity that he has. And I, I think he, he kind of instilled that in me as a young player too, that, you know, we, we we're pretty lucky people, you know, and I feel really lucky that I get to keep soccer in my life and kind of use it for different purposes. You know, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. I mean, and, and truly I, I feel the passion when you talk about it and, and just being humbled with all the experiences you've had that have taken you to this point. But um, no, I can feel it just hearing from you. So that's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to team culture, what was what was the culture like at UCF on your first day? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Um, you know, I, I think every coach. I, I think there's a lot of different ways to lead, right? And there's a lot of different ways I'm sure how people, what their people's philosophies or head coaches are about what their culture should be. And um, I do think that my philosophy probably was a little bit different from the, my predecessors who I'm friends with, like she, you know, um, we both played on national, but I think, you know, our personalities are different. So I still needed time to mold and nurture my team. But I think one of the hardest things like taking over it, a program or like an organization is okay. What, what was the past like? So for me, it was, this is, this is already a winning culture, you know, in a way it's almost, I I've taken over two programs. So I've taken one over where I think that the team was ready for new leadership and they wanted to change. And so it's really easy to come in and be like, Oh, here's all this new stuff. Right. Because I know the team is yearning for something. Well, at UCF, I don't think that there was nothing broken. You know, as far as, you know, teams winning, um, there's a winning culture here. And so it was a little bit, I had to massage the situation a little bit because I still feel strongly in my philosophy and where, what our, what my core values are and what I wanted to instill in my players and how I think I can get the best out of them, not just on the field, but off the field. But I somewhat needed to massage it and understand that it's going to take time because, 
I didn't think it could be a situation where I could come in and just blow up shop and make all these new changes because it was winning because we were already winning. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, cause then people will be like, well, why is there so much change? We're winning. And you know, and if it doesn't work, then you're like, Oh geez, you know, what did, what did I do? You know? So, um, I think, um, what I decided here, I mean, it's kind of happened organically. I mean, obviously I put thought into it and knew that I couldn't just make all these radical changes right away with culture. Um, I just needed, I just knew it was going to like be a little bit at a time. And I think with every year you, your group of players, they've had you, they've now experienced you for a year. They've now understand you and you know, what, what you're wanting for this team. They feel more comfortable with you after year. So as every year goes by, it starts looking more like how you envisioned it as a coach right? Because right. they've been with you longer. And what's so cool, which I shared with my team this preseason, the seniors this year are my first freshmen like that I had like during the recruiting process. So I recruited them and then they came in as freshmen. And so they've known me, you know, and they've known this, this is all they've known. Mm -hmm. And so I feel success as a coach when I'm not the one teaching culture anymore like I'm not the one tr like explaining things to them or why we need to do it I get to sit back and watch the upperclassmen like take over and it's exactly how I envisioned it to be so it's so cool to see that transformation in time and it just takes time and I realize that but it, it is pretty cool because I don't I don't even I see the players doing it now and it's it's not me leading it anymore. So that's where I have feel like I've succeed, succeeded in that area because there's like full, you know, everyone's bought in and and so. But yeah, so when I took over UCF, I think it was just different. I think it was highly competitive, and I do think it was a little more cutthroat and um, a little bit maybe more a little bit more authoritative because they didn't understand my. I think maybe they thought I was too soft in the beginning. You know, some of the players. Um, and they didn't understand my leadership style yet. Um, yeah, cause it was just different, you know, and not like one way is better than the other. It's that it's just, that's just me. Right. You know? Well, I think it probably goes back to a little bit on, on just your focus of connecting with people versus, right. you know, being author, you know, authoritative or a dictator, if you will. Right. You know, and obviously that approach is, is paid off for you, you know, to be honest with you, I was like, I was going to interrupt you because I'm like, that's 100% correct. That is beautiful because I think with culture, when when you actually are not the, the I say ambassador, but the ambassador of the message every day and you have your leaders and even you have your juniors and sophomores really holding everyone accountable within the core values right. of your culture, that's that's where you see your, your culture alive and, it, and it's and it's, right. it's beautiful and it takes a little bit more pressure off you, but also it allows you as a coach go, you know what? I put this in place. This is what I felt that was the best for the program and seeing the buy-in and seeing these people, you know, these athletes live it on and off the field right there is a success. Right. That's exactly how I feel. So it's, it's pretty cool. That's why I want to have a good season so badly because I'm like, <laughs> you know, I feel like the culture is in place so we got to be able to like win on the field too to so 
put them both together. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I'm I'm very excited about about the team. Awesome, awesome. Now, how much do you integrate within your program? You know, sports psychology strategies or focusing on mental performance. So I'm not. You know, I'm not a sports psychologist. I can share my experiences. It's like I've been sharing with you and um, maybe, you know, personal experiences as an athlete when I had to deal with confidence or being a reserve or, um, you know. So I can share my experiences okay. with my players, but um, I don't try to be a sports psychologist with them at all. Um, we're very lucky because we do have sports psychologists within our athletic department that can work with our student athletes. So I think when a player is struggling or if I hadn't, you know, if, if we've talked or, you know, they still need help or they just don't even want to talk to anyone within a team. Sometimes, you know, athletes just need to talk to someone completely separated from our culture and our team here. And it just means, you know, a different party to speak to. So um, we have that sports psychologist within our athletic department that I send my student athletes to or they'll, or our um, athletic trainer will send them to um, if they need that. So we don't, we don't, I don't really touch on it too much because I'm not an expert in that. I'm just more of the, well, here, here are some things that I did when I was an athlete or I understand how you feel because I went through this when I did that. And this is what I did, but you know, I can help in that way, but I don't really want to pretend that I'm, you know, an expert in sports psychology. I don't have my doctorate in that. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, but I love, you know, um, we had a sports psychologist with the national team, Colleen Hacker. She was amazing. You know, we had, uh, you know, she was very accessible to us as individuals and uh, we would do, you know, team bonding days uh, that she would uh, lead that were always very uh, fun and successful. I've been actually thinking about it. So she's listening. I want to hire her (laughs) and bring her out um, to talk to our team sometimes because she was always great. But um, but I believe in it um, for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Now. Kind of going a little bit because I mean you, you've had this incredible year or incredible career that it's I mean I, I could spend about fifteen minutes talking about all the things that you've accomplished but but when it comes to sports psychology or mental performance situations what was it throughout your career whether if it was high school college um, you know on the Olympic team or in professional your professional uh, experience was there a moment where you really had to deal with whether it was confidence or whatever it came up. Like, what was what? What did it mean to you, and how did you like deal with it? Yeah, um, yeah, I I dealt with it. You know, I I dealt with confidence. I would say issues on the national team my whole career. Um, I just always felt that everyone was so good, and I, I mean, I think every day I questioned why I was there. It was really difficult for me. I don't know why I didn't um, believe. You know in myself so much. Um, you know, I didn't have that problem in high school and, you know, club. Cause I could see that I was like, you know, that I was succeeding, but as the national team was like, I always felt like I was just keeping my head above water, you know, <laughs> and I was trying to survive every day. 
Um, but not athletically because I knew that was one of the main reasons why I was on the national team. So like what would give me confidence that I would try to focus on is, you know, my fitness level was always like one of the best on the team. So on fitness days, I would actually have a good day of playing because I had just ran and I was on the top of the list for fitness. And then I'd go and play small sided and I'd actually have a good day because I just was, my confidence was high. Um, but then, you know, technically I was behind a lot of my teammates. And so whenever we do any type of exercises where it really, you know, technically I was impacting my team or kind of giving the ball away when I shouldn't have, I just felt like I was like letting them down, you know? Right. Um, so, you know, my advice to my own players is I really think the only way you can really combat that is by just getting to work, you know, and working on those weaknesses. I think when I was a young national team player, it was like, yeah, it, people knew what my weaknesses are, but for some reason I still tried to like hide it. It was like, I didn't want, even though everyone knew my coaches obviously knew it was just like, I always want to pretend like it wasn't really there, you know? Therefore I wasn't like, like I, say, I didn't want to expose myself or something. And so I wasn't working on the things that I really need to work on like enough. You know, because it's like, well, then they're going to see how bad I am if I'm out there 15 minutes before and just, like, shanking balls or something, right, you know? Right, and, um, And it's okay, you know? But at that level, when it's like you could get fired any day on the national team, you know, it's like you just didn't want to – that's how I felt. I was scared. Mm. So – but as I got older, um, so about half halfway through my national team career, I did get – I did get fired. I mean, I was, I was left off the team for a year. Um, after the 99 world cup, I was a reserve in the 99 world cup. And, um, but I felt strong that like I was still a core player on the team, but then there was a coaching change and the new coach left me off of the roster completely, like off of the pool. Like she basically called me and said, like, you're no longer like in the national team program, you know? Wow. And it was very, eye-opening for me and devastating because up until then for you know from since 1994 to 99 I had made every you know 18 20 player roster like you know so when there was a game roster that needed to be called or uh uh even when we travel abroad like I even if I wasn't starting I was always in the top 20 and so I went from being in the top 20 to zero nothing and so it was very, like I said, devastating in the beginning. But then after a couple, whatever, I don't know even how long it was, you know, I had to get my act together and be like, am I going to, this kind of goes along with mental toughness, by the way, your first question. But um, am I going to sit around and mope and blame, like make an excuse how I talk about everyday actions? Am I going to blame the fact that there's a new coach and that's why it happened? I'm going to make an excuse. Um, or am I just going to get to work and like try and fix this, you know? And I decided that I was going to focus on being a professional athlete. So even though I was on the national team, I could still focus on being the best pro that I can be. So I had to prepare to be a professional athlete in the WSA in 2001. I had a whole year off because the WSA said they were going to start in 2001, but they were going to take that year off between 99 and 2001 because the 2000 Olympics was going to be occurring. Oh, 
And so the whole year of 2000, when I thought I'd be with the national team training and training camp for a year, I had nowhere to train. And so I was just training on my own every day and trying to get better so that I'd be prepared to be a pro. So then when the professional league started in 2001, I was playing and um, I definitely had still my weaknesses. And I was talking to my coach. Her name was Marsha McDermott. She's actually the head coach at um, Army at West Point. She said, Tiff, I know you're talking to me about the national team and you know you want to do that. But, you know, here I was playing for the Carolina Courage. You need to focus on being the best player you can be here. Focus on your weaknesses. And then the end product may be there. Maybe you will get that call from the national team, but stop worrying about like making the national team one day, really focus on your job and fixing in and what you need to do. And so kind of going back to it is I got to work. Like I started 20 minutes before every session, before every practice session with my pro team, I would get out there and work on my weaknesses. And it was, just fundamentals. I mean, it was like receiving and passing, you know, both feet, different um, types of passing, different ranges of passing, both feet, you know, and um, I was just getting a ton of reps before training and then training would come and I'd be like this new player, you know, and I was doing that for months and months and months. And then all of a sudden I started becoming this better player. Like go figure, (laughs) you put in the work and you get the reps. And you actually do become better. And my confidence came back. And I became the captain on my team. And then, you know, a year later, I did get called back on the national team. And I did make the next World Cup team. And so it's like, so when my players talk to me about that confidence or what do you do, it's like just listen to your coach and find out what your weaknesses are and don't make excuse about it and just get to work and start working towards that, about getting better. You know, and over time, you will, it will happen and you have to be patient because it still took me like a year to get back onto the national team. Wow. You know? Wow. And you know, it, you know what I love about that uh, experience is you just focused on what you can control and by focusing on what you can control, you overcame adversity, which gave you more confidence and, and you were ready to rock again. But a lot of times athletes, they forget about, you know, what can I control or they focus on the wrong things on control right. so that's that's beautiful i love I, I love that story because a lot of times when you get in your late teens early 20s and then you get kicked off of a team then you're like ah, oh, you know i have a life and i want to i'll just give up i've had a good career but yeah in your in your case that wasn't <clears throat> that wasn't it you had the mindset to keep going and and that was beautiful yeah yeah i definitely learned a lot i mean i i share that story with my players all the time so i'm like don't make an excuse you know, like, because we, we're so quick to be like, it's not. And then how do you even get better if you make an excuse for something? You know, if something bad happens to you. We, we're so quick to not show, you know, our weaknesses or let our egos, you know, our egos get the best of us sometimes. So I really try and teach our players that that as well. Definitely. Definitely. I have one more question here before we, we wrap up. And... Oh. You know, when you look at your career, you look at your coaching career, you look at the university that you're coaching right now, you as an individual in this sport, you have, I mean, you win. You've, you've won at every level and you've taken over for a university that has a tradition of winning. So from 
from a cultural standpoint, from a head coach perspective, is the focus about winning all the time or is it about the process and, and improving and learning? What's, what's your perspective on that? I mean, that's very easy for me. It is very process-oriented for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my job is to win games here, and if I don't win, I could get fired, you know, <laughs> so that's scary. But I do care about the development of my, my student-athletes, and I care about the process, and I always know that there's a process. And we even – you'll ask my players, like, I don't talk to them in a pregame match and say, guys, you got to win this game. Like, I've, I don't even think I've ever said that in my career, like, to say, we got to win, and we just got to win this game. Because I truly believe if we take care of the details and we take care of the, the process and, and the things that we have talked about that we're going to focus on for the game, like, then the outcome should be there, you know. And so I get my te- – you know, my, my job is to get my, my team and my players to believe in that process and to believe in those details. And you add up all those little details, and then the win should be there. So I, I don't talk about the winning. Um, we all know we want to win. We talk about goals like, okay, we, we're going to win our conference tournament this year. And they have those big, you know, goals um, that we all envision. Um, but, you know, we talk about it, and they know that that's what we want. But then after that, we just talk about the process and the steps and the details, and hopefully that will be there in the end. Awesome. Awesome. And, and I love asking that question because when you, I know you grew up, you know, went to Crondelet High School and your brother high school, De La Salle, um, which is, you know, known to be, you know, one of the best football programs, let alone they have a great, you know, uh, athletic department as well. But, you know, talking to the head coach there, Coach Allenbaum, he, you know, everyone thinks that it's all about winning and and it's not for them. It's, a, it's about the process, but it, it's about it's about the effort, and it's and it's interesting because I want to ask you this one more question because when I've talked yeah. to these coaches about the mindset of, of culture or their culture, they've they've kind of coined a a phrase of their culture. So you know, one coach I talked about it. He said my culture is a feel it culture. The other one says uh, <laughs> it was a character culture. It's an earn it culture, and then obviously an, an effort culture. What would you deem your culture? I say best is our standard culture. Awesome. Um, you know, it's just, you know, I'm saying your our everyday action is be your best. And I think if you're always pushing that envelope and it's intrinsic, I'm not saying like, you know, we're always just winning. It's like be your best today in whatever it is that you do. So to me, that's like that holistic view of being a student athlete in the classroom, in the field to your teammates, you know, respecting your, you know, just being respectful, you know, student athlete in the community. And so it's just like best is our standard. So the standard here is to be your absolute best every day. And so, um, that's, that, that's what I, that's how I would coin it. Awesome. 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 Well, before we go here, um, like I do at the end of every show, um, I would like to promote a book and, this book not only uh, helped me when I was working with uh, some soccer teams, it's a book called One Goal from Bill Beswick and the Mindset of Winning Soccer Teams. This is a, for me, even though I wasn't coaching per se, but I was working with athletes, this was a it was just a somewhat of a Bible for me because there were so many interesting ideas to, to deal with leadership and to deal with how to keep a team on track and focused. And, and there's a lot of yeah, just a lot of cool models to follow. 
uh, within this book. So if you have a chance, my listeners, feel free to, to pick this up. Um, it's a really good book. And Coach, man, this is, uh, I, I love this topic. I love what you're doing at the university right now. And I've just, this has been an honor to have you on my show. Well, thank you, Grant. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, you could call me anytime we can talk about culture. It's like definitely <laughs> a passion of mine. I'm, so I appreciate you uh, giving me a call and, and allowing me to speak. You bet. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you.